The information contained on the Real Health Podcast and the resources mentioned are for educational purposes only. They are not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as medical or health advice. The information contained on this podcast is not a substitute for medical or health advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. Information provided by hosts and guests on the Real Health Podcast or the use of any products or services mentioned does not create a practitioner-patient relationship between you and any persons affiliated with this podcast. This is the Real Health Podcast brought to you by Reardon Clinic. Our mission is to bring you the latest information and top experts in functional and integrative medicine to help you make informed decisions on your path to real health. Well, welcome everyone. This is Dr. Ron Hunting Hockey, and it's another episode of the Real Health Podcast from the Reardon Clinic. And it's our delight today to have Dr. Carolyn Dean on the air with us. Carolyn, welcome. Thank you and aloha. Aloha. You're in wonderful Hawaii. What's the weather like over there? It's always the same. It's always beautiful. Just boringly beautiful, beautiful, huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great. I, I'm so blessed. I, I yeah. can't tell you. Oh, great. And, and actually, I've become involved with supporting a organic biodynamic farm here. So that's been, you know, really important to me because, as you know, the soil is so depleted. Yeah. So, you know, I get to do that here because, you know, I just point up the mountain a few miles and there's the farm. Wonderful. I should tell our audience who you are. So Dr. Dean and I go back. She was a speaker at our 2016 uh, IVC symposium. She is one of the world experts on magnesium and has written The Miracle of Magnesium. Third edition, is that correct? It's pretty much the third. They call it the second. Uh, But yeah, uh, 2017, the mag. The magnesium miracle. Yes. There we go. <laughs> so uh, how many enzymes now are affected by magnesium? Because the count just keeps going up. I say it's a thousand because uh, I have references, um, a doctor named Workinger, and he said that 80% of known metabolic functions require magnesium. So when you look at the number of enzyme processes in the body and you take 80% of those, that turns out to be a thousand enzyme processes. So make, I mean, I say both 80% of no metabolic functions. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, you, yeah. You, yeah. Head to toe. But as you know, magnesium is kind of pushed to the side. Well, that's kind of been the case of nutrition in general, uh, in the yeah. in the in the modern medical training, mm-hmm. there's very right. little uh, education. I I went to Kansas University, graduated. Let's see here, about in 1976, mm-hmm. and we had one and a half hours of nutrition. Now that's not college hours. That's one afternoon we talked about nutrition, and the yeah. final word was, "Don't worry about this because you won't see any problems in the United States." Right, right. Same with me. I graduated uh, 79, or was that my internship? And um, my um, biochemist uh, 
training was, I think, 150 hours. So we got a little more, you know, not necessarily at, uh, nutrition, but we saw the enzyme pathways. We and we saw the Krebs cycle. And I like to tell everybody about the Krebs cycle, which makes our ATP energy molecules, eight steps in the Krebs cycle, six of them require magnesium. Oh, yeah. Wow. So yeah. there you have it. You know, uh, someone comes into the doctor, they're fatigued, they're run down. What do you do? You give them magnesium. What do allopathic doctors do? They give them an antidepressant. Yeah. So we've got a major disconnect right from our biochemistry. Yeah. No, we were, we had biochemistry, but the, it seemed like the message was just pass the test and then we'll go on to more important things. <laughs> right. And so, uh, right, right, but no, right. all the, uh, I was going to ask you, uh, in, you know, we do a lot with vitamins and, you know, amino acids and whatnot in your ranking of importance. Do you put minerals above vitamins or, I mean, are, I, maybe it's just that vitamins and amino acids don't work without minerals. I don't know. Probably they all yeah, work together. Yeah, they all are definitely synergistically working together. But I put that question to Tom Levy, uh, Dr. Thomas Levy, who we all know. Yes. He's just a, a genius about so many things. And I said to him on my radio show, so what what do you think is more important? What what has more, you know, bang for the buck in the body? Magnesium or vitamin C? And he said magnesium. Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's a very good friend of mine and I I yeah. was very surprised when he started saying that, but no, he's 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 yeah. pretty much convicted on that and so yeah. but uh well, today, we're so glad you came on the show, and we we wanted to pick your brain a little bit about the thyroid, because I know, now you're mm -hmm. both an MD and a naturopath, and so maybe that's before great. we get into thyroid, tell us a little bit, how did, how did you get down both paths? Because that's really uh -huh. pretty cool. All right. Well, back when I was a teenager, I got interested in nutrition, and my then boyfriend, now husband of... 52 or so years, we traveled to California, we got involved with the health movement, not the drug movement. And I just got really turned on to health, nutrition, lifestyle. When we came back to Nova Scotia, the boonies in Canada, I tried to tell people, oh, you should do this, you should do that. They wouldn't listen to me. Mm. So I went back to school and, and just said, well, I'm going to be a doctor and then you'll have to listen to me. So I went in with all the knowledge of prevention, Pavoirola, you know, I read all the books and there weren't that many back then. You could read them all. Right. And after my MD, I still had the, they didn't beat it out of me. I still knew uh, that nutrition was the way to go. In fact, the, the third year medical student interview of the of the prospective new students, they they didn't think that I should be a doctor because I had a Pollyanna attitude <laughs> that I could help people. <laughs> so, but by then I knew the dean of students and we got along. So you know the the rest is history. But after my uh, internship up in Mount Sinai in Toronto, I met up with. Um, 
a group of chiropractors who started the first naturopathic school oh. up in Ontario, Canada. Yeah. And I thought, oh, I can learn some more, you know, good stuff. So by the end of my internship, I had I had my some training in naturopathy. You know, I did get my degree and I just operated as a naturopath with a MD license, which allowed me for example, to go into surgery with my patients and make sure that that the surgeon didn't take out the wrong organs. I, I saved a lot of organs wow. in my time. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're it's interesting. I was an MD uh, that I wanted to learn more about health and really mm -hmm. didn't have a chance or, until I ran into Dr. Reardon. And uh, when I first started working here, we had a weekly uh, lecture, lunch and lecture every Thursday. And as it would have it, he was almost always out of town on Thursday and say, he would say, now you do it. You, you do the oh. lecture. So uh, <laughs> by doing all these lectures on minerals and nutrients and vitamins and everything, that, and then beginning to work with patients and actually measuring those levels and mm -hmm. correlating them with their chronic illnesses and how that all fit together... That's how, in a sense, I was an MD acting as a naturopath. Mm -hmm. So, and mm -hmm. so we actually have two naturopaths on staff now. And our daughter did uh, one year of naturopathic school before going to chiropractic. And so, so anyway, mm -hmm. it's funny how our paths mm -hmm. finally get to where we think we should be. Yes. Well, I thought back when I was doing my naturopathic and, um, Actually, Dr. Sinatra, Stephen Sinatra Stephen. said that mm -hmm. I was the doctor of the future. I mean, we both felt that by now, every medical doctor would have naturopathic training. It just made so, so much sense to us. But instead, you know, doctors kind of took the other road, you know, went for the dark side. And we got more and more uh, drug oversight, you know, it. It never went to natural medicine. And now we're all paying for that. That's right. Because we have a culture that demands drugs. They take drugs. They've got comorbidities. And along with comorbidities, they've got um, six to 10 drugs. And the, all those things weaken the immune system. And we're, we're just ripe for harvesting. It's really terrible. Yeah, yeah. Just to give a little bit more on that, Thomas Edison was the one that said that the doctor of the future will give no medicine, but will mm -hmm. interest patients in the care of the human frame, in a proper diet, and in the cause and prevention of disease. So yeah, this is, and what yeah. we're finding as the pandemic goes through its ups and downs is that we seem to be getting busier here at the Reardon Clinic. It's like people are mm -hmm. realizing that, wait a minute, we're not being saved by these miracle drugs. We need to learn how to take better care of ourselves, and we better go to someone who knows about this that can teach us and guide us. Right. The same in my world. Um, I decided at a certain point that uh, I wanted to have nutrients that worked, highly absorbed nutrients, so I went into... Uh, creating an online dietary supplement company, as you know. Right. And we have been swamped 
with the, the same thing, people have finally realized that uh, that they have to take care of themselves, that nobody else is going to do it. And nobody else is telling them to do it. They're every, we're, we're on our own because we're not allowed to say anything that looks like we're helping people with disease. If I say my remag magnesium, can treat 65 different uh, health conditions, which it can. If I say that in literature or on my late product labels, I'm accused of practicing, well, practicing medicine without license, but saying that, that my magnesium is a drug because only drugs can treat disease. You can't make a claim. That's yep. what they say. You know, yeah. there's a wonderful website called Vitamin D Wiki. And down yes, the whole yes, left yes. side is 125 health conditions that yes. are improved by proper dosing of vitamin D. And yeah. after each condition, there are the, the number of studies that support that. It's not mm -hmm. really a claim, but it's just the number of studies that go into mm -hmm. that, that, that testing. And so COVID-19, when, when that first came out, there was no COVID-19 vitamin D studies. But fairly quickly, there were 100, then 200. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I, today there's 600 studies on vitamin wow. D and, mm -hmm. and COVID, and yet you sure don't hear that mentioned on the news these days. Right. But you know what's very important about the vitamin D and Henry, who runs the, the vitamin D wiki, um, I we started the dialogue years ago about the fact that Vitamin D does not become activated either through the, through the sun or through a supplement without magnesium. Yes. Magnesium is involved in most of the steps of vitamin D activation. So some of the studies, um, the vitamin D studies will show, oh, well, uh, we don't know. It's iffy. Yes, no, yeah. maybe. And it's because of the magnesium factor, which is not put into the mix. So again, your synergism comes into play. Yeah, Dr. Reardon, when he did lectures, he had this, we called it a trick question, it really wasn't, but he would ask the audience, what's the most important nutrient besides magnesium uh, and vitamin C? Uh, and people would hold up their hands and name out certain things, but after a while he'd said, no, no, the most important one, and then he'd point at someone and say, it's the one you are lowest in and the one you are lowest in. And each person can have their own biochemistry, their, their own mm -hmm. epigenetics, their own dietary factors, stress factors, mm -hmm. sleep factors, right. all these things can affect mm -hmm. the levels. Mm -hmm. And that's why he was a, he was a big proponent of uh, measurement and, and finding out just exactly where each person stood. But I would take it, you know, kind of a sidebar um, that it's what you aren't absorbing. There you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because you can give this whole list and, oh, yeah, you need all 20 of these and and people will take them. They'll swallow, 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 swallow. But if they're synthetic vitamins and if they're mineral compounds instead of what what I've been working on is stabilized ions of the actual elemental minerals. I mean, yeah, think of this, Dr. Ron, the uh, magnesium three and eight studies. They talk about magnesium 3 and 8. It's the only one that gets into the brain, et cetera. It was a rat study. 
the rat, the uh, magnesium three and eight did seven percent better in increasing cerebral spinal fluid magnesium compared to I think citrate. And with that evidence, they said three and eight is the only one that gets into the brain, which is not which true. is just monumentally not true. So it made everybody think I have to get three and eight. When you look at magnesium L three and eight, a thousand milligrams. I think it's something like 80 milligrams is the elemental amount of magnesium. Yeah, yeah. So there's so much disinformation uh, about supplements now because it's become such a, a, a big um, a big portion of people's health that you know it's become an industry, yeah. and um, nobody's talking about what works. They're just talking about what looks good on the label, et cetera. But you know all this. Sure. And this is why I think one of Dr. Rudin's greatest contributions was the idea that when a practitioner is with a patient, we are co-learners. We're, work, we're oh, working yeah. together because yeah. we're trying to learn what the uniqueness of that individual is. But at the same time, we have a body of knowledge that we mm -hmm. are responsible to help shepherd them into the, the optimal way of using these supplements because yeah, it's, there's a lot of misinformation there too. So, mm -hmm. Hey, how, let's talk a little bit about thyroid. Uh, that was kind of a, an interesting area for me because when I arrived at the Reardon clinic 32 years ago, <laughs> uh, I was pretty tired. I had a lot of chronic fatigue and various mm -hmm. things. And one of my early discoveries was uh, Dr. Broda Barnes and the use of natural thyroid and the, yeah. the temperature test and all that. And yeah. so I didn't, I didn't know, was that, uh, you, you've done a lot with hormone therapy as well, or hormone uh, investigation. Certainly the, uh, the fact that most hormones probably need magnesium for them to work as well. So. Right. I, I annoyed a lot of women when I I wrote a book about hormone balance, and I spent most of it talking about detoxification, supplementing with your minerals, yeast overgrowth, right. all these things, instead of talking about bioidentical hormone replacement. Now, I truly believe in it. I, I do take myself some bioidentical hormones, but... Um, it's not the first place right. to look. Right. And, you know, what I also wrote about was the fact that the, the adrenals, the thyroid, and the sex hormones all work together. Yep. When I was massively stressed in, in New York and Manhattan doing AIDS, AIDS and chronic fatigue research in the early 90s, you know, my adrenals tanked at the same time that my sexual, I went into early menopause and my thyroid started to go down, cold hands and feet. Right. And it wasn't till, you know, now only eight, 10 years ago when I started looking at, at the minerals, I, I put the um, remag magnesium, the stabilized ion of magnesium, put that into place. And then I said, oh, I have to get a multiple mineral with the same thing, the ions that go straight into their cells because they're tiny enough. And come to find out the minerals I chose for my remite mineral combination, nine of them are necessary for thyroid hormone Oh, really? Production. Wow. Nine of them. So, you know, I, I 
got the chemist to put it together. I started taking Remite and within six weeks, my hands and feet are warm again. I'm a little more hyper than usual. So I got off my 60 milligrams of armor thyroid and have never looked back. And the same goes for many, many of our customers. So what, what happens with these minerals is, yeah, we know we need iodine. But we don't need a ton of iodine because as soon as the iodine kicks in to, you know, do the T3 to T4, T4 to 3, T3, all that roundabout, the next thing that happens is selenium comes along to do the next step. And then I don't know the sequence exactly, but you've got zinc, molybdenum, manganese, magnesium, of course, copper. You've got all these minerals that have their little place in the production of thyroid hormones. So if you jam too much uh, iodine into a body, you, you get a buildup of the next metabolic um, factor and it's too much. It overloads the system. It starts blocking receptors. And if you don't have enough selenium to deal with it, you just get this buildup and you stop the, the hormone production process. I mean, that's pretty simplistic. But when you think about it, nine minerals, and we're, we're so deficient in all our minerals now, and you know, isn't isn't it worth trying something that that's uh, safe like that? Whereas what were we taught in in med school and in naturopathic training that we had to wait for the thyroid to get so low that we could give thyroid hormone replacement? And we thought we were doing such a great thing by using armor and desiccated thyroid. Oh, we're more natural and everything. But we have the same philosophy. Wait till your thyroid completely punks out and then we'll replace it. There's a lot more to this conversation and it's coming up right after a quick break. Today's episode of The Real Health Podcast is brought to you by the Reardon Clinic Nutrient Store. The Nutrient Store is your resource for the highest quality nutritional supplements. Every supplement in the store is handpicked by the expert medical staff at Reardon Clinic, providing you with the best quality, purity, consistency, and effective dosing available. Visit store.reardonclinic.org to shop online. Yeah, I think it's it's more like it's the expedited thing to do, uh, which unfortunately is the allopathic way yeah, is to jump right. in with uh, the quick fix and so what you're saying is we need the synergism of the basic minerals to really right. save the day would you right. say that like magnesium is what i would call an orthomolecular mineral whereas these <laughs> other minerals are more uh more balanced and you don't need the big doses Yes. I mean, I keep telling people you might not need big doses of vitamins and minerals if you have the right ones and they're well absorbed, except for magnesium. Because I think what there's so many things about magnesium that are important and awesome. I think we can saturate our bodies with them and we don't have side effects because even, even with my remag, when I'm saturated and I take more than I need, I will get the laxative effect. Whereas with most magnesiums, I mean, 
we started with magnesium oxide. That's yeah. only 4% absorbed. Most of the early studies were done with magnesium oxide. And do you know why that is? It's because a, a brilliant owner of a magnesium oxide company, a woman, she gave samples. Oh, yeah to all the researchers. <laughs> so they did their studies on magnesium oxide and it worked even at 4% absorption. So what we've done over the, the decades is we've drained ourselves of magnesium. I say 80% of the population is deficient. They keep reducing the average levels of magnesium in the population because that's what they're measuring. When I, a few years ago, when I started to look at magnesium testing and realized that serum magnesium wasn't working, et cetera, et cetera, the RBC magnesium range was 4.2 to I think 6.8. And now it's down to 3.8 to 6.5. So it's lowered, you know, 0.5 points in just a couple of years as the population gets right. more deficient. That's right. And then pe people think, oh, that's a normal, oh, do, 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 do. It's not optimal. Same thing so, happened with B12. Now the, the, yeah. the, the, mm -hmm. the minimum has gone down as more and more people are becoming more deficient in that particular vitamin. So same, right. same phenomenon. So same. yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So uh, let's, there's one other topic. Well, there's a couple of topics here that I thought while well, we've got you, uh, to weigh in, and I think it's going to be, you know what, I think it's going to be the same answer. There's a big controversy about Hashimoto's thyroiditis and the use of mm -hmm. iodine. And, um, right. and right, so right. once again, uh, there's, there are, there's two sides of this, this uh, debate as to which way to go. And, and certain people say, hey, if you're deficient in iodine, you need to load up. But uh, what mm -hmm. you're saying is that by loading up too much too fast, you distort the body's natural orchestration of minerals. It's, it'd be like having yeah. one section of the orchestra being very, very dominant and you can't hear the mm -hmm. rest of the uh, of the music. Exactly, and I think there are some reports that say, no, no, if you have selenium, then that's gonna help metabolize the iodine for Hashimoto's. And, but there's more to it. There's the nine minerals. And, and the whole thing about Hashimoto's, I mean, we know it's autoimmune. And my philosophy about all autoimmune conditions is that it's mineral deficiencies, especially magnesium, and yeast overgrowth. So yeah. with yeast overgrowth, you have a cross-reaction of, of yeast and yeast toxins with thyroid that jams the thyroid receptors. And if you, if you don't treat yeast, then you are going to keep having an inflammation and irritation of the thyroid. It'll be an itis. You'll get antibodies that are supposedly attacking the thyroid. And antibodies don't attack a normal organ. There has to be something wrong with it. And, you know, I've, I, um, in an um, ebook that I wrote about the thyroid, I followed the, um, the work of Dr. Isabella Wentz. Yeah. She's a PhD pharmacologist. She's written a book called Hashimoto's Thyroiditis because she had it. Now, why did she have it? When you, when you listen to her story, it's a step-by-step -step magnesium 
deficiency, yeast overgrowth, until they finally said, oh, your thyroid is out of balance. Mm. But if she had caught, you know, with her fatigue and irritability and insomnia and muscle cramps that started her descent into actually what I call a total body meltdown, uh, so she had magnesium deficiency symptoms, and then she started to get a fuzzy head, um, allergies, gut problems, yeast overgrowth, yeah. because her immune system was tanking. You know, when we start getting people on the right mineral balance, their immune system kicks in so much that they start killing off their own yeast. And people will say after you know, six, 10 weeks, Oh my gosh, I've got a rash, I've got a coated tongue, I've got vaginitis, I've got, you know, gut problems. What's wrong? I thought it was going to be healthy. Oh no, no, you're you're killing off your yeast. It yeah. is amazing what the body can do when it has the right building blocks. Yeah, when I first started at the Reardon Clinic, I was I was coming off of 9 years as a busy family physician and was very, very tired and depressed and mm -hmm. had hor horrible herpetic mouth sores. And I thought it was, uh, I thought it was a mercury toxicity. I think there, I think mercury toxicity is definitely an element in this, but I made the mistake of going to someone who took out 12 fillings very rapidly and I became uh -huh. very mercury toxic, which uh -huh. probably made my yeast infection worse, probably yep. made the gut leaky, everything uh -huh. that sets the stage for low thyroid. Right. And what I have found is that these mouth sores or, you know, you just bite the side of your your uh, mouth or you bite your tongue and you get a sore that won't go away. They are definitely associated with yeast overgrowth. When I finally got my yeast under control, I just don't have those problems anymore. And and yeast, it, I, I've been dealing with it personally and, and with my... Um, you know, what patients and then telephone clients and now customers for decades, I would do the, the yeast antibody tests. I would do everything. And then we'd have to put people on the strictest of diets and nobody can do that. No. You know, we'd have to put them on nice statin. It was just horrible. Couldn't find the right probiotics. So, I don't know if if you um, know my uh, Flora Revive. I put Saccharomyces boulardii. Oh yeah, right, right. A, a gentle antifungal, mm -hmm. along with soil-based um, probiotics in the same formula, mm -hmm. because I said to myself, I live in Maui. I'm going to eat fruit every day. Sure. I am not going to, I'm not going to restrict myself. So, you know, most days I'm using some of my Flora Revive and I, you know, I know it's a gentle yeast killer and people would say, well, you shouldn't be using it all the time. I think we have to because we're growing yeast every minute. We're highly stressed and with the history of, you know, birth control pill, antibiotics, etc. I think a lot of us are, kind of set up for lifelong yeast overgrowth well but even if we you're can, even mm -hmm. if you're not on birth control pills there are so many estrogen compounds in yeah. the uh you know your pesticides and your yeah. your uh printing the, the the receipts the ink on the receipts and thing and plastics these are all mm -hmm. estrogen mimickers and so yeah. i'm sure yeah. these have a role yeah. to play in that as well 
Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And, and I don't know why more natural medicine doctors aren't looking at yeast. I mean, I, I worked with Dr. William Crook way back in the day. I, I worked with him on one of his books, uh, uh, Yeast and the Women and Women's Health, I think it was called. So, Ashley, what happened is 1986, he, uh, Dr. Crook came up to Canada, to Toronto, and he and I got on a 90-minute television show, which was a calling show. 80,000 people called into that show. <laughs> To yeah. find out about you know this this yeast because it just it just rang so many bells, but what I've heard and I think Dr. Crook kind of said this that um, he went public with the information about yeast. He didn't. He tried to do some studies. He went to AMA meetings. He tried to interest people. They weren't interested. So he went public, and he was blamed for going public. They you know they hammered him. Said it's just a fad. So it, it came to be over the decades that doctors just thought, oh, it's a fad, you know, there's nothing to it. And yet, you know, I'm saying that most of our chronic illness is yeast overgrowth. Yeah. Do you think some of that's just plain immune suppression? You know, a lot of people, their immune systems aren't working very good. Do you believe in tongue diagnosis? Can you look at a tongue and see yeast or do you, do you just assume yeast? Oh, you see it on the tongue. I mean, I just get, you know, kind of freaked out when I watch singers on TV, yeah. you know, they'll do a full throat and their white tongue is sticking <laughs> out. You know, that's a sure sign of yeast yeah. and itchiness anywhere, you know, itchy, itchy eyes, itchy ears, um, you know, uh, tickle in the throat any sort of skin rash that you're not quite sure of. There's so many ways to diagnose yeast. And actually, Dr. Crook, he had the, the questionnaire, but it's long and, and, you know, it's kind of overwhelming. But you can diagnose yeast by asking someone if they, they've had uh, antibiotics right. in the past, if they, um, they're affected by moldy smells, like when you go into a basement or soap smells. Down, you can't walk down the soap aisle in the grocery Candle store. Candle smells. That yeah, of... yeah, because it affects the mucous membranes of your sinuses. Mm -hmm. Just like we have leaky gut, you have leaky sinuses because the yeast irritates it. And then you smell these things and, you're, and they, the molecules of these perfumes and mold, et cetera, goes right into your system. So, I mean, to us, it's obvious what's causing yeast overgrowth. You know, you've helped me make a connection because one of the things I measure in just everyone when I'm looking at thyroid function as well, we measure all the minerals, we measure the amino acids, the fatty acids, everything just about. Uh, one of our thyroid tests is a reverse T3. And I don't know mm. if you've used that very much, but it it's it's basically a sign that the body is not well. There's either stress, infection, yeah. inflammation, toxicity, and now I can add the fifth thing, yeast overgrowth. I'll <laughs> right. bet you, I'll bet you that would correlate <laughs> with yeast overgrowth as well. Absolutely, because yeast will produce a lot of inflammation. Yeah. And yeah, the, the reverse T3, it's so sad the way that's become a thing, whereas what 
what common sense tells me when I read about it is that reverse T3 is a way of the body trying to slow things down. You know, yeah. you're sick, you're, you don't want to burn off your nutrients for whatever reason, it, your body is slowing down. So this reverse T3 is like, um, you know, the wrong key in the lock for your thyroid hormone receptors. So it's blocking the thyroid activity. It's actually competing for T3 competing. receptors and it will yeah. fit in the keyhole, but it doesn't activate the metabolism. So the more right. T3 you have, your yeah. metabolic rate goes down. And so, yes, I yeah. tell people it's an adaptive response on the bo in mm -hmm. the body, but uh, mm -hmm. it's showing up everywhere now because so many people are tired, they're stressed, mm -hmm. they're toxic, right. they're not sleeping properly, they're, right. they're watching too much news on TV and getting stressed out. <laughs> right. And so and it, you know, allopathic and probably even natural medicine doctors say, oh, well, we'll give more T3. But they just set up this battle, whereas, as we know in natural medicine, detoxify, you know, get rid of the yeast, give the minerals and the nutrients that will allow the body's own immune system to work. I mean, you think of um, the whole methylation problem, you know, the MTHFR, people thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, I'm not methylating, I'm going to, to die. Um, but when you give, you know, low-dose methyl Bs, when you, in my case, one of our detox products has uh, methionine and taurine. They're both methylated right. or they're both sulfur-based and me uh, methionine is methylated. So you put extra sulfur and methyl groups into the liver and you help the, the sulfur and methyl detoxification pathways. Yep. I mean, it can be as simple as that. And it's common sense that drives us in natural medicine. It's just, oh, that's just common sense. Let's just give the body the building blocks that it requires. And yeah, I was very concerned over the years about people talking about these big purging detoxes because the body, the body will detox when it feels it's the right time. The body, you know, the female body won't get pregnant if it's toxic. You have to detoxify. Mm. The body knows. And then when, when you give it the building blocks for detoxification, it will detoxify when the body is able to withstand the dumping of toxins. I mean, you know how careful you have to be when you give DMSA to sort of try to see if a person has mercury. You know, some people that, that have come, you know, my way have said after DM, uh, DMSA, which purges mercury from storage, they get worse because that mercury then just circulates and goes to the brain, et cetera. So we have to be so careful with these big purges, these big detoxification programs. So what I see happening a lot in functional medicine is, uh, and, and sometimes in integrative medicine, and maybe even in natu naturopathic medicine, is there's an attempt to be allopathic in the approach, whereas maybe yeah. we need to slow down and tell people, hey, you know, you didn't get this way in a, yeah. in a day or a month or maybe even a year. You know, this may yeah. be a long-term process. But our, mm -hmm. we live in a society like make me well yesterday. Uh, mm -hmm. And so uh, mm -hmm. it, it's tricky, but it's, it's, really a, it's, it's really a good thing. So no, I'm, I'm uh, so happy to see you again. 
and mm-hmm. you're looking well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the idea here is just not to age, right? I mean, aging is for the birds as far as I'm concerned. And so. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm in my 70s now and I feel healthier than when I was in my 30s because when I was in my 30s, I was totally magnesium deficient. I mean, I didn't share that part. I, you know, I had the heart palpitations and Charlie horse leg cramps and neck pain and insomnia and headaches and the whole ball of wax. And it wasn't until I was working in in Manhattan doing the research and um, Random House asked me to write a book on magnesium, just kind of out of the blue. And um, it, it was a real eye opener because I was the poster child. So it really set the stage for me finding out about my own health and realizing that all this business about aging, it's calcification. Yeah. You know, in part, it's toxins in there, but it's calcification. And what are we doing in our society where we're uh, putting calcium in in foods, you know, to supplement calcium. We've told women to take 1,200 to 1,500 milligrams of, of calcium, most of which does not get absorbed. And it makes you constipated and it deposits in, in soft tissues, including your arteries. Sure. And your, your kidney arteries, your heart arteries, your carotid arteries. And then people just say, whoops, well, what are we going to do about that? Whereas magnesium will dissolve calcium in soft tissues where it doesn't belong and direct it to your bones and teeth. So if you're saturated with magnesium, you won't calcify and you won't get old. Yep. Yep. Nope. Couldn't agree with you more. You know what? We're we probably could go on like this for another five hours, uh, but we <laughs> we uh, we 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 only have so much time. But Carolyn, thank you so very much for being with us and once again enlightening us. I I always need to hear that message that use minerals in a balanced way, and you'll get your best results. Exactly. Except Perfect. for magnesium, use it. <laughs> <laughs> Use orthomolecular magnesium. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I know. It's lovely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. On. Wonderful speaking with you. All and right. Seeing you. You take t- care. Stay well and enjoy that Hawaiian sun for us and ocean. Oh, aloha. Aloha. Thank you. <laughs> Bye now. Thank you for listening to The Real Health Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review. You can also find all of the episodes and show notes over at realhealthpodcast.org. Also, be sure to visit reardonclinic.org where you will find hundreds of videos and articles to help you create your own version of real health.